With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life share stories from hunting camps around the world. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Alrighty. All right, guys, we've got a uh, pretty special episode today. We're sitting up in deer camp. Um, we've probably been here for, well, I've been here since Saturday, so what's today, Thursday? Um, yeah, it's been one hell of a week, but uh, I feel very privileged to have Brian Barney all the way from the United States, Montana, mm-hmm. here with us in camp. I feel privileged to be here, man. It's um, What a great camp you guys have with um, uh, great guys, uh, hunting it's just been incredible man it's like um so wild to be on the other side of planet earth man I, like i think we were talking about it there the other week oh the other day there wouldn't be too many boys that are from the u.s that have come in and you know chasing you know pretty legit sort of australian bush stags with with the bow mate it's uh so it's a, mate full credit to you for you know making the plunge and getting over here too mate because you know we offer it to a few people and no one takes it up so mm-hmm. yeah good on you well, full credit to me, full credit to you guys. Uh, it's a bit surreal, like, being invited down. And, um, you know, you guys have devoted so much of your life to hunting around here and figuring out good spots. I mean, that that Jake, I think he is part red deer. You know, that guy absolutely <laughs> loves it. So, man, I just feel so fortunate to be invited down here, and I have had an absolute blast, man. It has been a riot. Yeah. Mate, we've, um, I mean, you, you've experienced probably something pretty special too. Like, um, yeah, this has been... It's been a good rut. Like this has been, you know, the 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 roars have been, you know, pretty consistent in the mornings. Um, some good deer numbers about. Um, obviously we've got plenty of country to sort of suss out to. Um, you know, good feed. We've had this is probably sort of the third good season in a row, and we always say generally third season is generally when shit will get real, um, which have <laughs> you've seen. Um, you know, so guys, you you know, there's going to be some a few podcasts on this, but we've had a pretty exceptional week. We've just come back into camp from a pretty awesome morning of Brian's. We're, uh, we chased another deer around uh, a couple of days ago, and that didn't happen for us. And then we, uh, yeah, back out this morning. We slept in a little bit too, so we got away with that. But I guess, um, you know, before we jump into the story of today, like, what's your first initial thoughts of Australia, like the different country, the terrain, like, what, how, you know, what kind of giddy feels you get when you arrived? Oh, man. Um it's like no place I've ever been, nothing I've ever seen, you know. Every every place I hunt, including every state I hunt, has a different feel. But every country you go to, like this country, is just so much different than the state. So uh, everybody's been so friendly, like so much hospitality, like uh, Josh inviting me in to stay with his family, his wife and his boys, and you putting all this together, picking us up at the airport, all the driving, coming in back and getting us... Um, uh, uh, yeah, all the way from the guys uh, welcoming me in, in camp and pulling for my success, man. It's been it's been amazing. So um, yeah, I mean this place the 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 trees are different, the birds chirp different, the <laughs> the weather's different. Like yeah. I haven't I haven't seen the sun. Well, I've seen the sun. It's just been snow filled in yeah. Montana for nine <laughs> months. You yeah. know, so uh, my body likes getting in the sun. But um, man, it's been surreal. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. It's so fun to cut the legs loose and explore a different place and then um being able to tap into all your guys's hard work and knowledge and um years of experience on these red deer like man i can't get enough i'm hooked yeah <laughs> i i think red deer may be like one of the funnest and i know you know i got to see some absolute magic in the red deer woods that you don't see every year even when you're hunting good spots our timing on the rut is perfect and then uh, like you say the good feed and the the ruts cranking off and like um man i mean i just got to see some of like my experience this morning my experience so far chasing these red deer like one of the favorite one of my favorite deer species or species in general that i've ever chased man amazing going back you know just to give the the guys that don't know you um obviously you're in uh you're not far from bozeman in montana a little place called ennis uh mule deer fanatic uh, elk fanatic when they're bugling mm-hmm. uh, and every other part of the year but you know they're, they're two that you chase pretty consistently mm-hmm. um, well known through the the Eastman's crowd um, you, you run a you got a podcast yourself which I've been on and how we met mm-hmm. many many years ago um, but just give us an idea of you know 
the the background of your hunting you know how you got started and and just sort of you know maybe the the, the short 10 point version of you know your career so far mm-hmm yeah, that um, hits some points. I'm really fortunate to live in Montana. It's a small population state with um, great recreation. Um, uh, mule deer, elk, bear, antelope, uh, uh, really get to chase the gamut of species there. And so, um, yeah, I grew up actually on the coast in western Washington. About 1819, I moved out to Montana for more hunting opportunities. Uh, moved out there and just fell in love with it mm. and just immersed myself in it as far as... Um, elk hunting and bear hunting and shed hunting and at first it was just building my hunting skill set so i'd take advantage of uh, uh archery seasons and rifle seasons and then a few years down the road i was good enough to be consistently successful and so really committed myself to the bow and so um man i fell in love with it i started going on these adventures in the lower 48 and they're they're adventures where you really have to put in all the work and do all the research to figure these spots out it's mm-hmm. like uh, thousands of dollars in gas money, giving up multiple weekends and vacation days to drive all over the country to these different spots and really learn them and um, hone my craft at, at bow hunting. And and uh, so over the years, I've got fairly proficient at it and then able to start the podcast. I started that about eight years ago or so. So timing was perfect. Uh, put in next level tips and tactics for the public land hunter. So, I mean, we just talk public land hunter uh, you know, is like a term that we use in the States where we're hunting land that everybody else can hunt, um, which just, um, ups the level of difficulty. And, um, so through that, yeah, I just, um, live a, a bow hunting lifestyle, 365, keep improving my hunting skill set, and, uh, go over all over the lower 48, uh, Alaska and Hawaii. And, uh, you know, now over the world, like being here is amazing. I've been to New Zealand. So, few different places I've traveled, but, um, man, I just love it more and more, uh, every single year I can't get enough of it. And, um, so it's really just about getting these adventures in and go experiencing, uh, different things. And I mean, I don't need to arrow something to have a good time and Mm -hmm. enjoy myself. Uh, but like being able to be immersed in this roar and, um, chase these things around, they're so similar to elk and the, the, the racks are just so beautiful, the dark horns and, um, long times in the configuration of it so uh man this is just like a dream come true i'm living it yeah yeah and how have you found like you, you said they're very similar to the elk but you know you put a few tactics together you were kind of on your own shows you know we just all watched on this morning but you know what was going through your mind this morning you know uh, without getting into the two you know did you did you sort of put those tactics in place pretty quickly or you sort of were listening to us a little bit more mm-hmm yeah well um definitely listening to you guys and taking in input with all your experience but you know, uh, bow hunting skill kind of uh, transposes to different species. Yeah. So when you're good at hunting one species, yeah. you know, a yep. few adjustments to the habitat, a few adjustments to the new species, and, and that skill set transfers over. And so, yeah, uh, yeah just noticed um, you guys hunt them aggressively and go chase roars and try to get to those stags while they're still roaring and then be able to move in on them and then utilize doe sounds and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, it was nice. It just felt like at home this morning got a chance to move in on a stag. And um, I mean, it was um, it was it was like what I classify as like magic of the elk rut or magic of mm-hmm. anything that I'm hunting where you're really into them. And yep. there's two or three or four stags roaring. There's hinds. There's I mean, you're just I'm in the middle of the chaos. And I was chasing the the biggest one in there. And he was just roaring his head off. <laughs> he was, he going was good. so fired up. <laughs> Uh, but I got to spend tens of minutes inside bow range and moving with them. And uh, he's really switched on, you know, like these things are rutting and into the hinds and he's definitely distracted. But it was like, you know, and I don't know if he was listening for danger so much as he was listening for other does or other stags or sorry, does. I mean, hinds uh, or uh, other stags moving in on his territory. But he was really switched on. It was pretty quiet walking. But I mean, I noticed I could just. Uh, brush against the grass and he'd pick up his head yep. and look in my direction and then I I was just stuck frozen for a few minutes until another stag would roar at him or distract him and he'd go back to it so they're really switched on and really tough to hunt they use the cover a lot uh, so they're kind of like a ghost of the forest but I think like the one chance at them is they're susceptible during the rut when they're roaring you can use that audio location just like elk and so 
it just reminded me of elk, but it is totally different mm. too, you know? Yeah. I find, you know, um, I think the biggest difference between the red deer and the elk, the elk cover so much country so quickly. So I think by the time, you know, with the elk, like we get onto them in the morning, you're not going to, like we did this morning, though, those guys were pretty stationary. Like, you know, they're moving around and stuff like that. Like those couple of stags that were on that bench, you know, um, you know, they were sort of, you know, holding their hinds in the bit of, in the bush there a bit. And, you know, he was like not letting the other younger stag come over. And, you know, so he held them back in the bush and they kind of wandered and he just stayed on that top so he could see everybody, which was perfect for you because you had to slip in between. But, you know, I think uh, that's one thing. We've got a bit of wind in the mic here. Um, I think that's one thing with the elk, you know, when you start hearing, they're more or less on the move. Like they're, they're very rarely are they ever still um, by the time we get daylight. And I think that was the biggest thing that I took away, you know, especially last year when we were over there chasing them with you. You know, as soon as you'd hear them, you're like, they're normally just pushing cows or, or they lead cows heading off. Like it's, that that's the biggest thing. So that, you know, interesting that you could be able to quickly change your, your tactic there, knowing you had a bit of time this morning mm. and you played that out really well until it took you five minutes to tell us that you actually shot him. But that's <laughs> that's another story. But it is canning to understand miss, American. I'm just cool and humble over here. Just like, oh, yeah, no, I killed him. No, I came up and I was really stoked for the experience. And, um, you know, I thought they saw it all go down from right there because they were fairly close around the corner. Well, I Shannon and I were up high and, and we, we couldn't sort of see. It got out of it got out of cover like you dropped into the cover so we couldn't see anymore over the flat and yeah. we're like oh yeah and then jake's message and said oh no we've you know i think he's got winded I'm like oh cool we'll just wander on down we'll just yeah <laughs> yeah no i'd smack that thing yeah we talked for a few minutes and then he goes well how close was the closest time you got to him or he he asked uh hey were you like 40 yards away when at that closest point i said yeah that was that was the closest point, but I shot him at 20, you know, and he goes, you shot him at 20, you know, and then he was all excited. Like, this is after uh, a five minute conversation, <laughs> Brian drop, drops the penny and it's like, oh yeah, no, I shot him. Like, he went about uh, like, what, all the 20 meters? Oh, uh, like. it was amazing. But yeah, uh, that's really good insight, by the way, on the elk. I think that's such a great point for guys that go over and hunt those elk. Mm. I, I hadn't thought about that because I'm so familiar and used to hunting elk. But you're so right. That is spot on, man. Like uh, those elk are always moving yep. and travel tons of country yep. while you're chasing them where, you know, I felt like, you know, we had to go quite a ways to get to those stags this morning. So they were roaring, but we had to cover country quick mm -hmm. to make it to them to get a play. But you're right in those elk that you're always chasing a moving target, it yep. seems like. I yep. mean, they'll slow down before they bed. Uh, you know, before they, you know, right when they come out and feed in the evening, they're in the same spot. But for the most part, yeah. they are on the move. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's good. Yeah. Point. And I always thought like, you know, and we kind of do it, you know, uh, excuse me, you know, in Shannon's episode, like we'll get onto the one he got. But, you know, you can kind of get a bit of an idea like the evening, they're sort of doing a bit of searching. You know, you got to try and trying to work out, like Jake said, like they're just got to be in the mood. Like you got to work out what mood they're in. Like that guy was protecting his, his hinds. So he was like sitting up there, like just perfect scenario for yourself on a bench, plenty of cover. Um, you know, you'd be able to slip in and yeah, 20 hours later, you know, I guess with Shannon's, you know, he was, you know, obviously it was like on a bench, same thing, but it was on a side, side hill. And we knew that he was, you know, he was searching. Like, so that story goes completely different. So you're changing your tactic. And I think Elk are a little bit the same. Is it the afternoon? Is it the morning? You know, where are they? Is he by himself? Is he got any cows? So very similar nature to, you know, I think that's what, you know, maybe it helped you guys a little bit. You know, you're coming in here and it's sort of very similar nature. They're, they're vocal. You know, been able to put those things in place pretty quickly, I think, you know, helps with success, so. Oh, man. Yeah. And well, you're right about like every scenario and mood of these deer is different. Like you, you almost have to read the temperature of the room or like read these, these animals and what they're doing to formulate a game plan, no matter what you're hunting. And so, yeah, I think that's good insight on these red deer and you're, you're, you're spot on with that stag this morning. I mean, he was up on that top and he was guarding his, his hinds from those other stags and there was competition and they were just roaring their heads off. And, uh, to be able to work down that ridge, keep a good wind, and then uh, stalk into him. I was mm. just able to move slow and keep my eyes on him. There was another hind that was kind of on the edge of the timber. I had to wait till she moved in. And then, and I had him in bow range for quite a while. But like most animals, getting in bow range is only half the battle. And mm. so, uh, like, as I've, as I've become 
older, I've developed this patience that I'm able to mix into my hunting as well, where yep. I'm really able to be slow and be comfortable in bow range. And, uh, you know, and he'd look up if a blade of grass snapped or look in my direction and just had faith in my camo that I'm just going to hold still. I'm going to blend in with the mountain. So I was just really able to slow play him looking for the right shot and the right angle. And, uh, then he, he walked up to, uh, go challenge that other stag and he walked behind that bush and he was going to come out at about 20 yards. And so I knew it was going to happen and yeah. able to draw back. And, um, he was, he was close. I mean, all my pins were on him. It would, it would have been a real tough shot to miss, but uh, I was able to pick my spot and yeah. execute a real good shot on him and which tight to the shoulder yep. and, um, put yep. it right through him. And yeah, I think he only went about 30 yards, which is, which is what we all want. But I mean, it was absolute magic, yeah. like to be able to shoot a stag like that, have that encounter as well. I think you, uh, you know, you know, something there, I think being in close like that, you know, you pick the wind, the wind this morning was beautiful. Like very rarely were we, you know, as you, you at home as well, very rarely do you get that consistent wind, but it was that time of the morning where sun was more or less already peaking over date, the thermals had already sort of set their ways and what they were going. So we had that consistent breeze, which was you know, just perfect for you. But it makes you, we're only talking about it outside there before, before we jumped in the van here to, to drop this one. But having that, having that consistent wind, which you can hear, here it comes from your mic now, but having that consistent wind, it allows you to be more comfortable in those tight quarters because that's one less thing that you need to worry about. You know, then their nose is the, the biggest sense, you know, as long as you don't move, make any sudden movements, you've, you're pretty safe in, a, in in close quarters to any kind of deer, I think. You know, sometimes they have a bit of sixth sense, but that 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 win, you got that consistent win. You can be in tight, wait for that perfect moment, and then you know. And credit to you, you know, he had that little slight quartering on sort of angle, um, but you put it really nice, tight, in, you know, right up in above that elbow, right where we, you know, we we're talking about the other day where you want to hit him, and you couldn't you couldn't have put I couldn't have put a finger on the spot any better and yeah the short that was a bit of an angle like it raked and come out the back of his ribs but it yeah 30 yards done all the damage you needed mm -hmm. oh man yeah it um you're right that that wind is such a it gives you confidence on the stock and on the play and um here i noticed that the you know i'm sure the winds are stronger up on top like we had winds yesterday but when you're when you're down in here in the bush it's not real strong in one direction and it's fairly tough, tough to read. There's so much topography around <laughs> that you don't yep. just get a due Southwest wind like yep. we do in the States yep, or yep. like, it's just tougher to read. Like I know the key for me and winds in the States is like this higher understanding of the winds, the directionals, which direction they're going to come from that day. I can get a forecast and then, uh, 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 the thermals as well, just knowing how they operate in the mountains and the winds pull down. And I'm still able to use that knowledge here, yeah. but it does seem a bit trickier because there's so many uh, microclimates of wind in this place because there's so many draws and shaded spots and timber and trees and it, it all kind of messes with it. So it almost seems here like you almost have to be more diligent on that wind checker all the time as you're moving in. And it's yep. not just what the wind's doing right now. It's what has the wind done the last 10 times on this ridge? Or, you know, if I move off this hill, what's the wind doing now? It's almost reading it in real time. But boy, you got to keep good tabs on that wind. Like, I think I've almost uh, used up a whole <laughs> smoker bottle over here. Yeah, we go, you know, we go through, a few, uh, through a few each, each rut. So that gives yeah. you an idea how often we're yeah. checking the wind. And, you know, probably sometimes, in honesty, like we probably overdo it. We probably like get you get a little bit non-committal because you are so worried about it, and then by the time you're like, "Oh yeah, wind's good," it's gonna change anyway. So sometimes I'm not gonna say all the time, but you kind of need to go with that gut feel. It's like, yeah, now I think we'll be right down there, or up there, or over there, wherever you're heading, and just have a bit of just back yourself a little bit that you can make it tight in that wind because you kind of know what that thermal's gonna do. But hey, you're dead right. Like, there's so many hops and folds and you know, you can go in in different bush lines and that'll be either shaded. So, you know, potentially it's in the middle of the day, but that's still shaded. So potentially that thermal's still dropping. Like, you know, it, you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, the swirl's the biggest thing. You know, you think you got it all good and all of a sudden it just, it relaxes and all of a sudden that thermal switches the other way and it's game over. And, you know, hence what we thought that might happen this morning until, you know, obviously until you told us you shot him. But, you know, that you don't know. Like, that's just so normal for us to go, oh, yep, got winded, shit, all right. We're going to start again. We'll go back this afternoon and see if we can find him again. Like, that's how often it's happening because I think wind's, you know, the biggest saver of these critters is, is definitely, and they know it. They use it to their advantage. They know what they're doing. They're sitting on these little tops where 
it's not really blowing a single direction or whatever. Like they know what's going on because they're going to try and smell hinds and everything else as well. So, you know, yes, they're doing looking for danger, but more so they're looking for, you know, reproduction. Like they're, they're looking for the girls they're, they're, and they smell that. That's how they're doing it. It's on the ground as well. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, they, they do get themselves in spots where the wind is fickle. You know, same thing with like elk in the States. They love to, to, to go down in bowls. And I know like I have this one spot that's uh, incredible for elk and it's down in this bottom. They're always in there. There's always giant bulls down in there. They're bugling like crazy. It's always a rut fest down in there. And, and so I've been tricked so many times. So this is like uh, our, our wind comes from the, the, say the south and this is on the north side in this basin bowl and that wind just gets over there and it blows over the top of this ridge and it's just like a washing machine down there yeah so i'd hear these rut fests and i dive down in there and, and uh i'm not kidding you, it's like a half a dozen times i'd been winded in there every time i drop in i think i have the wind right and it swirls and there's just no killing them in there and so I finally got smart. I didn't learn it on the first or second try. It took me about six, but uh, I finally got smart and I just wouldn't dive in there and I'd let them rut in there and then they'd escape that drainage and come up onto the ridge or onto that face where then I had a dominant wind and I killed one of my best bulls there doing that, like Mm -hmm. after learning that. But they do live in areas where the wind will just swirl and I think that's what's been impressive about you guys too is we've seen some good red stag that are just in the wrong position and you guys are able to... You know, you said it before is to uh, trust your gut. I think of that as like trusting your instincts and your thought process, exactly which right. goes That's for exactly the wind, yep. but it also goes for your decision making, whether mm-hmm. you're going to make a play, a stock, whether you keep moving in, whether you walk right or left or which way you approach. Those are all these hunting instincts that just take years of hunting to develop this inner voice that kind of tells you to go or not to go. And you're right. You, you almost... You don't want to outthink yourself like you do want to be tactful, but you want to just be uh, uh, reacting on your instincts and reliant upon them as you're hunting. Mm. And you're almost in that flow state where you're not thinking so much. You're just reacting because it takes 100 right decisions to arrow anything. And it seems like when you trust your instincts and know what you can get away with you just yeah. getting close and something happens well you look at you know so tuesday afternoon you guys you know we we threw you straight in the deep end you know we've picked you up from the airport at lunchtime and uh you and josh and you know you've come to camp said good days and you know an hour later you we're in the truck heading to the first first you know spot to to have a hunt and you know we're sitting on that you know what you would call a vantage point so our glassing point and uh you know sitting on a good over that sort of really good sort of you know gully and uh, it's thick, you know, how many times did we hear stags? It took us like half an hour to even find sort of, are they on this ridge? Are they on the next ridge? Like they know where they're getting. But then even though you'll see them there, they're not even in a position that you can even have a play on them. But you remember that one that we watched and then you end up having a play that didn't work out. You're watching him. We watched him come down. He come down, had that wallow. We're watching him, watching him. We're like, what, 40 minutes of light left? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's switched gears. It's like, oh, hang on, he's going somewhere. And then he crossed that gully and come onto our side of that ridge. And then it's like, you know, Jake gives me the sort of the half smirk and I look back at him. I'm like, I think we can make this happen. And, you know, we had that trail that, you know, sort of ran right down to him. And you and I literally ran. We had 20 minutes of light left. So Jake's got, you got 20 minutes before, you know, before you're going to two dark to shoot. And I think we got down there in about six, you know, and that near, 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 near come off, you know, and that, it's been able to read that. Like he was no, he was no go over the other side. But as soon as he crossed that gully and got that wind on that right side, like we knew that it was going to be falling. Like we knew where we come. And then, but it was also, we didn't have to, you know, get through that thick little creek thing that was below us there because they can get through quietly. We can't, you know, and I think being able to read those situations because, you know, otherwise it's just going to blow it out or you don't have the opportunity. So you'll look at him, watch him and all night and they're like, oh, that would have been good to have a, you know, have a play at him. But it's been able to read that, like, here's my opportunity, here's what I need to do. And I think that's been a steep learning curve for me over the last sort of three or four years in, in this country here, you know, that you, you're you not going to ever beat that wind. If it's not right, it's not right. And you just need to suck it up and go, I'll be back tomorrow or I'll be back tonight or whatever it is. And so many times, you know, you've pushed that little bit more, you've blown it out, you haven't seen that stag again. You're like, shit, I should have just, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that wind was going to be coming up there. Um, so I think being able to listen to that is... I think that's experience. It's a bit of maturity amongst the hunting. And, you know, you've seen us talking about the different size deer and the age class and, you know, we got, you know, which 
we'll talk about in the coming episodes, but you know, we've got some pretty impressive stuff that not many people will see sitting out, you know, getting in the boil tub right now. Like, you know, you're seeing something pretty special. But this has come from a cumulative, like, experience. You know, Jake just hammering into us about age class, passing the young stuff, you know, and getting to that point where these deer are getting to an age where, you know, you're shooting giants, really. And, and you know, that thing today was a great example. You know, just a beautiful bloodline and, um, you know, every, had a, has everything right. Do you know what I mean? And... I think that's sort of that's where that maturity of a hunter comes in, and then all the all the aspects of like doing the right thing at the right time comes into play. And I think the amount of time taking this back to yourself and back home is the amount of different hunts you do. You go on mule deer early, you go on elk through the rut, then you go on elk late. You know, completely changing the game, trying to find elk through snow. Then you do on mule deer late. You know, whole another ball game. They're not up in the high country. They're down in the snow chasing chasing girls around. I think you're antelope, bear, yeah, just throwing axis, all yeah, that yeah. stuff around. All that stuff, yep. Just makes you able to adapt to pretty much everywhere you go. Man, you're spot on. Yeah, I think um, that is. It's like honing your instincts, and experience is the best teacher. And you almost have to make those mistakes. You know, you just said yeah. it. Like you have to screw it up and go. Gosh, dang it! I, you know, I, I sure messed up that one. Or gosh, yep. I'm an idiot. Gosh, why did I go in there? I knew that wind was wrong, and I. And, and I pushed it and I blew them out. And so you kind of learn from it. And, you know, through that, your instincts get better. And like you say, the more habitats you hunt, the more species you hunt, that all downloads into this data processing machine, which is our hunting mind that helps us make these decisions. And I think, you know, you can cut the learning curve a lot through podcasts and through literature, through talking to other really knowledgeable hunters. You can pick up things that then you know, you can, you can use in your own hunting, you know, and so you can definitely cut the learning curve, learn from others' mistakes. You can take this information and just figure out how you can apply it to your own hunting and your own experiences to help you learn from it, to hone, you know, your own instincts. And then it, it is just about like spending time out there doing it and making mistakes and getting better and paying your dues. And it's a, it's a long process. Being a good bow hunter isn't something that's a, a month, a week, or a year, or even multiple years. Like it's a lifetime uh, commitment to try to improve our skill set. So, like we're we're all in different parts of our journey and continuing to be students of the game, continuing to learn and get better. And I'm definitely not at my ceiling and not anything I have mastered by any stretch. Uh, but through bow hunting a bunch and learning from it, I've been able to get pretty proficient and confident in my skill set to where. Yeah, I know I can sneak in and make something happen. You know, mm -hmm. I know I can execute a good shot because I've been there before on trophy critters when everything's on the line and been able to execute good shots. And so, yeah, it's through that experience that's in and through screwing up all the time that's made me the, uh, the hunter that I am. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, you, you call it screwing up, which is exactly what it is. But and it goes for, you know, you make either the mistake that you made or, you know, a read or, you know, simple that you get into something. It's like, you know what, I, d I don't need to take that. Like you said, you know, you, you didn't, you came here, you, you don't have to shoot anything to have fun. Like nope. you're just loving the adventure. And, you know, obviously this morning you shoot a beautiful six by six, you know, just an absolute gorgeous head that, you know, most, most guys in Australia here would dream of, you know, and, you know, that was one that, you know, right place, right time, good stalk, good, good shot execution, you know, it all just ticked the list. You know, you couldn't have written the story any better. But as you said, you know, I really like your saying, you know, pay, you know, you got to pay your dues and you've done the hard work. You've seen the disappointment. You've, you've hung the head. You've, you've had to pick up your lip a thousand times, you know, the disappointments that you've been through. You've, you know, I know, obviously I know you've personally, you know, you are very committed to the, you know, to, to the lifestyle that you have, you know, you're, you're, you're fit, you're healthy, you eat well, you consistently, but the biggest thing that, and that was something that, you know, Jake's a pretty straight shooter and you're starting to realize that, you know, first thing he says, can he shoot? That was the first question that he asked, you know, when we were organized this trip, I'm like, yeah, he can. And when that happens, like we didn't have to worry about, oh shit, he's going to make this shot or what? Like, you know, that's just, it's such a thing like you can be the fittest person on the side of the mountain but unless you can shoot like that takes a big challenge off because as you said getting in close is half the challenge only half the challenge you know be able to put it on the right spot and things go wrong i'm not saying everything's perfect by any means you know, it could be the best olympic shot and things don't work out you know but that gave us really good confidence with you know hosting you here was the fact that you could shoot like you do 
you know, you're inspired, like you probably haven't heard it, but, you know, you've inspired Shannon. Shannon was out there shooting with you yesterday, you know, and look what he did last night, you know. We, we won't get into that now, but, you know, look what he did last night, you know, just it just pays. And you say it pays your juice. It's exactly what happens. And I think, you know, credit to you to live amongst it and make that happen. Hey, guys, just want to give a massive shout-out to OSA Australia and Zeiss Optics. Um, I've been super lucky over the last few months to be running a couple of different pairs of the Zeiss Optics. Um, just recently, I've been giving you a pair of the RF range-finding bonnets in the 10 by 42 um, You know, absolute game-changer uh, when it comes to, you know, being compact, having, you know, two-in-one, which is something that, you know, as you know from the podcast, we're always looking for those options to, you know, decrease the amount of size, or decrease the amount of gear that we carry around the bush. Um, you know, and I think the RF, the range-finding bonos, is one of those options that we, we probably all could look into. Um, definitely super, super good quality in the glass. You don't lose any, you know, any quality whatsoever from the rangefinder. Um, a real standout. So they're definitely worth checking out. Uh, you may or may know that I've obviously been running the 15 by 56 the last couple of years. So a large bino, uh, perfect for sitting on a tripod uh, on the side hill, you know, glass in country, picking it apart. You know, they're my absolute go-to. I carry them over a spotting scope. You know, I just prefer to look through, look through a binocular over a single scope. Um, it's it's a personal preference. Um, and once again, you know, super impressed with that. And you know, they're definitely my go-to over the last couple of years. So, so guys, osaustralia.com.au. Find your nearest stockist. Uh, get down, check them out, touch them, feel them. Get a look through those those ice optics. Uh, you certainly won't be disappointed. Yeah, well, it's really fulfilling. It's like nice to live a passionate life and we all have to work and make a living and balance family. But when you love something with every fiber of your being, like uh, you you find a way to do it and find a way to get better. But um, yeah, it is. It's um, it is, you know, being a good shot, having confidence in your shot is such a huge part of this. And I think, you know, it's not only like knowing your gear, being a good shot, putting in your time at the range. I think the toughest thing is being able to transition your skills of being a good shooter on a target or on 3D targets or in practice, transitioning that to shooting at animals and being at your best being able to execute on animals. That's a really tough transition is right in there. And I think that's what separates like great bow hunters is like being able to be at your best when you're shooting at animals. And so like I, I, um, I think about it a bunch. I work on it. I work like, um, like anything, it's so much of it is mental and your preparation and your execution. And so, like, I think about it walking around in the woods. Like, I, um, you know, I've made mistakes and missed animals. And I, I'm not saying that um, I'm perfect by any stretch, but I walk around thinking about my execution and what's going to happen when I get a chance. I do visualizations. Like, I think about that shot. And for me to stay present and to be able to execute a good shot, I know they're dead. I have 100% confidence in my shot. And um, so that's really powerful. And how do you make that transition? I mean, I do think, again, it's experiences shooting at critters for sure, being able to keep your cool. I think it's um, uh, practicing, you know, difficult shots on the range, which is uneven footing, which is shooting at 3D targets, uphill, downhill. I think it's also shooting in front of your buddies. Like this puts this added pressure on whether Especially you realize camp. it or not. Yeah, they're all shooters in this game. Well, and and you'll get some hell if oh, you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know that pressure is good because that pressure is only going to be magnified shooting at an animal. So I try to put myself in these pressure situations shooting all the time, which really helps me transition to animals and then the practice on animals and then just being able to or really priding myself on being able to keep my cool. Like, like I get excited like everybody else, but my time to get excited is after I shoot it. Like right now I'm in crunch time. I need to focus on my execution in that animal and put that arrow in that exact spot. And these red deer are really tough, like elk are tough. Like you have to make a perfect shot on them. And so, uh, th that was the goal of, of this trip. It's just to, um, you know, don't take a shot unless I know I can execute and make a good shot. And like you say, um, nice to have that confidence walking around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and as I said, you're pretty easy to organize a trip around you when you know you can do that too. And I think, you know, it, it, the there's something about walking in the in the bush, you know, whether it be here or, you know, it doesn't matter where you're hunting, there's, there's something to be said for walking into something and having that confidence. I think things happen. Mm -hmm. Like it, it kind of brings 
Uh, people say it's luck, but I think I think you've earned that luck. Um, I don't think luck's given out easily. Um, that's my just my thought about it. You know, I think you earn luck. Um, and as you said, you, you need to take that opportunity. You know, you can have the biggest, baddest elk, red deer, whatever it is, sitting in front of you, but you still got a lot to do. You know, before you before you harvest that animal. And you know, looking at the country, you know, we're very fortunate here. We can hunt more or less 365 days a year. Um, you know, depending on what the species or location is. We've always got something to hunt. That's obviously a lot harder for you guys because not just you don't have all the seasons for all the different animals, but you've also got the weather. So, you know, you, you haven't been able to drive around. You wouldn't even get into mountains at the moment with the amount of snow you got. So you go fishing. But <laughs> I think that's something too where we're, we're fortunate and which gives us confidence. I know when we came over and, you know, you got you took us hunting for the few weeks that Josh and I were over there and, you know, just the ability to, you know, track animals and read sign and stuff like that. I know that was something you was like, oh, you guys know what you're, you know, you're half looking at. It's like, but we get to do it all the time. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it doesn't always give you success, but it, it certainly helps if that makes sense. That's why you guys are really good, skillful, skillful hunters. It's all the time that you spend in the bush and being able to have that year round exposure and getting that experience. And, and, um, it's, it's experience like, being in the bush and hiking around and finding animals like like every portion of it takes practice and and in the states we have a lot of different seasons where i mean i can pretty much hunt from august all the way to the end of january and then i've got trips in the spring and trips in the summer and so you can hunt a lot and i think it's also nice to kind of have an off season where you work on your skills as well um but that that experience, I find it with you guys. I've got really good friends that are in Hawaii that hunt, you know, the Axis deer, deer or Chittle, yep. and um, they're a really crafty, switched-on deer. Yeah. They'll sort you out pretty quick. Yep, and they get to hunt them year-round. Of course, they've got their seasons when they're in velvet or they're hardhorns or they're rutting where they put more effort in, uh, but they get so much experience that when I started hunting with those guys, uh, they, they're really good, skillful hunters. Uh, like you guys, you know, and, and it's just due to the experience you're, you're able to get, but it's also like the love for it and being a student of the game. Like, um, um, you know, you guys eat, sleep and breathe bow hunting and always thinking about it, working on it, trying to find other spots like that, that, that passion goes a long ways too, of always trying to learn and getting better. And it's like, sometimes it's tough to drop the ego or to, you know, it's like, um, uh, to ask questions or, you know, like, like with a bow, it's tough to drop the ego and step up in front of everybody and miss the target. But we've all been there, you know, it's like, but it's good for a guy or to ask questions on your tuning or your timing or your bow, really try to learn from the guys that do have more experience out there. But, uh, yeah, that's why it's really fun to hunt with you guys. Well, you've probably seen it, you know, like the conversations that we have here, like we're just, we're continually questioning stuff like all the time, like to the point where like you've got it, we've got it, like we're anal about it. But like my biggest thing, the way I look into it, like, yeah, look, I've, you know, I've had success. I've certainly had some bad luck, you know, or when I won't say bad luck, like made good, big mistakes, you know, rush something or miss something or, you know, actually I don't miss, I just, you know, wrong placement or rush the shot process and you have any, like that has happened to me. I had that happen to me before Christmas and I went back to the drawing board, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, I'm thankful for that now because it's got me I'm back shooting where I used to shoot. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is having an open mind to learn these things, never thinking you're the master at something. Mm-hmm. These got these are animals, no matter what you're chasing, they have their own mind, they make their own decisions, we can't control that. And I think having an open mind, being able to read sign, listening to someone's idea that that might be happening, you know, they're feeding on that part that part of grass because it's this time of the year or they're looking for this. That deer was in that mood, that's why he came into the call. Like you can't call every deer in. They've got to be in the right mood. I don't care what anyone says. That is that is what it is. Mm-hmm. They have to be in the right mood to be able to come to a call. It's been able to read that, but having the open mind of when to use it, or having someone else, other ammo in your in your in your pocket to be able to make that play, whether it's your stalking skills. So it's you know that's what I love about bow hunting. It's you got to be so well rounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the skills that you pick up from having different guys in camp, you know, us traveling like yourself and I. You know, getting around the world, seeing different places, talking to so many different people, big camps like this where you've got guys that have shot a lot of big deer. It's a you learn pretty quickly, but you've got to have the open mind to do it. It's like, uh, no, that's that's not how it happens. Like you can't think like that. I'm the same with gear. We we're talking about yesterday. A new bit of gear comes out. I'll try it. Let's see what it does. You know, I'm not gonna go, that doesn't work because that's this. 
It's like, you know, you've got different arrow setups to what we do. Kill that bull pretty damn good. You know, that deer pretty good this morning, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not something that we would te- potentially we, we would use because that's just not what we run here. But we're open minded. It's like, yeah, that'll work. And it did. So it's just, I guess, I guess the feedback to that or where the point I'm trying to make is having the open mind to learn and not always think that you know because these things will humble you very damn quickly, especially with a bow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, being in this camp, it's the same as any um, any camp in the States that we go hunt elk or mule deer or anything, right? You're just constantly thinking and theorizing and trying to figure it out and where they're going to be and what they're feeding on yeah. and moving in on them. And, and it makes a huge difference. Oh, like, man. you know, it can turn a miserable trip or some bad trips into success, I think. And quickly, mm-hmm. if you, the quicker you're willing to learn and, open and, and listen to it, I think it'll, I think it'll change the game. I, yeah. I love, you know, you guys run the summits, you know, like I love, Lamp, you know, Ryan Lamp is, is pretty high on my list. I know you, you know, you speak very well of Ryan. You know, the guys, I, I watch Nate Simmons through Western Hunter and, and I mean, there's probably miles of guys out there that I don't know that you know, but, you know, your buddy Dan, you know, he was, I was very fortunate enough to hunt with him there last year for years, just a killer, just a silent assassin. Like he just, the way he sneaks through the bush and just knows his stuff, knows what they're going to do, has, has that bit of go about him that's like, I'm going to try this. Like he punched above their milk that day and, you know, it nearly made it happen. You know, it, just, it didn't quite come off with a bit of bad luck, you know, of, of the arrow, but he got there. Like, and it's like, man, how did you work that win? He's like, I just tried it and it just happened. You know, it was <laughs> flopping over the back end. And, yeah. But, you know, those kind of guys, you know, yeah. and, and where I was heading with that was, you know, the more people can get to these summits and listen to podcasts, the right information, not, I don't feel that, you know, there's a lot of shit out there too. We're talking about the YouTube stuff the other day. Like, there's some stuff over there with the cringe that we watch. It's like, it's not great, but it's out there, so we can't do anything about it. You know, I think you just need to read it for yourself and what's going on, and 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 you. I think you can quickly find out who's the guys to watch and listen to. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're here. We've got you know, we've got some guys. You know, Brad Smith. You've you listened to the podcast there the other day that we we did at the coaching clinic. You know, Brad Murphy's running coaching clinics. Brad's running hunting courses. Like, that's a great way to learn quickly. And I guess commit to the bow, you know, without people going, not that there's anything wrong with rifle, but it's very easy for guys to ditch the bow because it's too hard or you're not seeing success. It's because I think the learning curve is too hard because they're not there. I think that little extra step, that little bit more financial commitment, get to one of these courses, I think that can really have you enjoying the bow and the whole lifestyle that goes behind, you know, bow hunting as a whole. A hundred percent. Yeah, with Brad Smith, the clinics, the Western summits, there's like we're in the information day and age, right? Where there's all this information out there. And I mean, when I was coming up hunting the States, there wasn't any information on where to travel, where the good units were, uh, how to do it. And so, I mean, I read every book that was available. I listened to everybody speak that I respected, that I could take information from. I, I really searched it out, magazine articles and like whatever I could find. I just, ate it up but if i would have had uh one of these deals like the the clinic from brad smith or the western hunting summit or uh this reach out to guys on instagram that'll answer questions and you know you don't want to ask you know you, you you can ask for insight or ask for um uh, uh thoughts on things but you know it's like you you do want to pick and choose who you're listening to like you just said as well you know guys that you respect but boy if i would have had something like that you're just going to cut your learning curve by years. And you're right that that's the number one thing why guys give up on bow hunting is it's extremely difficult. Oh, yeah. You know, and Shocking. so if you can expedite the process by going and learning from guys that have um, uh, been there and done that and, and have a lot of experience and have a lot of knowledge around the bow, the bush, stalking, and be able to pick those guys' brains man, I would have done anything. Even as a young, poor carpenter, I would have found a way to get the money together to go to one of these things, hang out with these these guys that are consistently successful that I really respect. And it's like, just try to soak in information. I tell you what, I go to these summits, like in, in Instruct Adam, which, uh, uh, and, and, and really able to help guys and just tell them the information that's helped make me successful over the years, give them insight into their hunting. But I go there and then I learn from all the instructors and learn yeah. from some of the attendees as 100%. well. Yep. Like, so I'm picking, like, I'm, uh, you know, Ryan has me there and, um, you know, I'm instructing, but really I'm, uh, it's like almost a free ticket for me as yep. I'm learning too and improving my game, you know, yep. and, 
And um, so I, I think that's it, like circling back to like being a student of the game and constantly trying to learn. And you can learn something from from anyone, but you also want to be careful, like who who's your influences and who's your list, who you're listening to and just guys that you trust to that align with your ethics and yeah, morals 100%. and um and and also thought processes but um yeah man i think that's the key i think you know talking about lampers now you know he'll be doing exactly the same back to you and the other guys that are there you know he, he's a student of the game continues to be speaks well about that kind of thing too you know obviously you're, you guys are all very experienced in, in your in your own rights and you know you'll hunt very differently you know i'm sure you know different experiences hunt different ways and things like that um, but you know, at the end of the day, there's there's more ways. There's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. So, you know, I think uh, I think that's the biggest thing is is having that that artillery in your pocket that you can grab a little bit from everybody. And and look, there's some great stuff online. You know, to to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's great podcasts out there. There's so many out there. Um, you know, stories and that are good. Like we love them. We'll tell a story and stuff like that. Some of the information stuff is you know that's what I listen to. Yeah, there's nothing better than a good good hunting story. Don't get me wrong. And you know, I think that's what brings it all together. You know, you, you've got all the information getting and then you finally get that the, the hero story at the end. And, you know, I think that's what makes sort of the whole bow hunting community worldwide really come together like, is, the, is the, the stories, you know, the storytelling in the end. Yeah, well, it's, you know, when it comes together, it's like climbing Everest, you know. I mean, uh, not every species is or uh, killing a red deer in Australia isn't, you know, climbing Everest, but I mean, it is monumental for me traveling all the way over here. And then, you know, you guys sharing information and learning and being able to go immerse myself in these red deer during the roar, which is totally different. Like, I mean, I'm still riding the high of being able to put a perfect arrow through a super mature red stack, you know, absolutely amazing, you know, Uh, but it, it does, it takes a, a, a lot of work and effort to get there and anything worth having is, is worth working for and so yeah if you just dedicate yourself to um uh, uh to learning and getting better and improving your skill set and and realize too that it it's a process you know it it doesn't all come at once you know that you just have to keep working on it and, and another thing you know there's so many different facets that come into play to being successful i mean Another one is not only like take your hunting skill set, your shooting out of it, your glassing out of it, like just a, a positive attitude. Like, and that can be tough to keep when the hunting's tough, when you haven't ran into critters. Like, a lot of this bow hunting is problem solving and yeah. figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you go, you start crossing off places where they're not before you start finding places where they are when you do find the action. And the, you know, the populations, no matter what you're hunting, they're they're not dispersed evenly throughout the landscape there's like pockets of good hunting and so you have to figure out where those pockets are and so like i think you know just trying to keep on the mental side like keep your head in the game uh really enjoy the present moment that you're in and um uh uh, keep after it and eventually like good things just happen definitely and i think you know um the the stories will come out recently but shannon's got this awesome story where you know, he's been, he know he, this deer's named, you know, he's got history with this animal. And I'd say to anyone that's got a block that maybe doesn't have all, you know, they've got some property that maybe they're only a couple of deer, you know, some of the success for that would be watching that deer grow out of the next few years rather than shooting it. You know, if you want to shoot big deer, you've got to let them grow to big deer. You know, they've got, they've got to be old, you know, and, and I'm all for people, you know, it's only my first deer, but there's always going to be that climb to shoot to the next one. And, and unless that happens, you know, we had some discussions last night with, with another lad that dropped into camp and it's like, when are those, these particular, um, you know, company, it's like, when are they going to start trophy, like doing a bit of management? You know, you can still keep numbers in check for the farmer and all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, like, yes, they're introduced, but red deer, especially I'll talk about red deer. They're majestic. You know, most farmers do like the look of them. Most people love them. We love them more than anyone, even though that we hunt them. We respect and love these animals more than anyone, and I'll argue that to we're black and blue. You know, they, these things, as you know, they're, they're awesome. You know, they, you know, if I could set the the set the picture for your hunt this morning was crystal blue skies, rising fog, four or five stags roaring, coming down off a ridge, you know, views or three sixty views, like you name it, Brian, you had the experience this morning. 
but that only comes from the efforts of someone like Jake who looks after his deer, you know, keeps these owners in check with, you know, looking after them to make sure that, you know, he's helping these guys out and, you know, he's keeping the animals in, the numbers in check to make sure there's not too many so the farmers don't get upset with the farm. Like this is all that accumulation of all that. And then you have a, and I, I want to pass that to everyone and go like, you don't have to shoot that first thing. If you shoot that little deer this morning, today, it might be only a two or three-year-old deer. He's not going to be a six or seven-year-old, eight, nine-year-old deer. You start talking about eight to nines, which people are about to see soon, then you know what this thing is. Like your thing's just beautiful, you know, six or seven-year-old deer, like just a gorgeous deer. You know, that's what you get to experience. And, and I think there's a whole nother learning curve, like we've spoken about as an archer or a bow hunter with the bow, but there's also some growth in that. You know, if you go and shoot every two-point, you go and see up in your little secret spot up in the in a, in a Wyoming range, you're not going to see that giant 200-inch four by two, you know, four by four mule deer. Right? Like he's not going to exist if he doesn't get you know left to be there. And I think that's a whole nother, you know, excuse me, another whole another line you can go down. But you know, I think today really proved that, and that was really it, I don't know, it kind of just stamped it to this morning. It's like that experience we had this morning to tick that box for you to come over all this way. You know, that was a full credit back to Jake. Just you know, that was accumulated of a lot of, you know, 10, 12, 15 years of hard work right there. Spot on. Yeah. Um, the guys work so hard to know these deer and protect them. It's so, it's a bit of self-policing, right? And, yeah. and um, it, it is like we talk about experience and that's the best teacher, but you don't want to kill all the younger bucks, all the younger stags, all the everyone you get an opportunity at or you'll never have the opportunity at killing a big one and and jake understood that early on and has managed these deer and does self-policing like nobody loves hunting him more than jake with his bow and arrow but he killed a good stag and he's done for the season you yep. know that's yep. self-policing when he could not invite any of us and killed all the exactly the stags he could have killed right. mine today he could have killed you know and and, and, I mean, and many, nobody how, would know different how many did we see on the first afternoon yeah yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, we're like, no, nah, he's he's just young. You know, yeah. he's a, he's going to be a really nice head in three or four years. Yeah. Like, let's get to that. Like, yep. let's, and I there, think, together we need to get to that. there's always does or hinds or there's something else that you can go get experience Yeah, if you're chasing on. meat. Like, yep. you know, if you yep. want to eat, like, we've we've pulled meat out. Like, we've got meat going left, right, and center at the moment, you know, off these stags. But, you know, if you, if you, you, you don't shoot, like, if you really, at the end of the day, if you're chasing meat, don't shoot a stag or a buck. Like, that that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, you're shooting that because it's got antlers on its head. Mm -hmm. If you're chasing meat, eat the shoot the best things for eating mm -hmm. you know and, and you do have to work your way up the trophy rungs of the ladder you do. you've never yeah, shot I'm not taking that a decent away. one you, you shoot a decent one but after you have one like that it's like okay i know i can execute on that one i know that i built my bow hunting skill set where i'm good enough to kill to aim higher and if i don't kill one that's fine but i'm gonna look for that next age class that next level and i'm gonna let these uh smaller guys grow up and um eventually we'll have trophies to chase in a healthy herd but it does take a bit of self-policing and same thing in the States too, letting them grow up, having trophy areas, having, uh, you know, bulls that, that absolutely fire me up to go chase, you know? And, and, um, yeah, we watch them in their winter range. We, um, you know, and have to self-police during rifle seasons and everything else to go, no, I really want to chase one like that with my bow. And so, you know, I'm, I'm good. I've got, you know, white-tailed does that I can go get meat where it's got a healthy, sustainable population or maybe even a cow elk in the wintertime. So, yeah, it is um, the management. It does come into play, and, and um, Jake's understood that, done an amazing job, man, to have the experience that I did this morning, like you said, the fog, the views, <laughs> the, you know, have to roll all the way down this ridge to go get on them, can hear them roaring the whole time eyes on them and then to get to stalk and play the game with them on the ridge line just roaring his head off mm. you know to another stag in there like uh, it, it's something i'll never forget yeah. and then to be able to stick a perfect arrow to have it come together it's magic yeah good group photo too oh dude the best <laughs> yeah the best but to have everyone there you know i think that's oh. what's that's what's been really cool. I was fortunate enough that uh, when I shot mine the earlier week, you know, we had, you know, there was four of us there. And, what a stack. You know, it just, oh, yeah. Congratulations, like, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's. Absolute beast. I've been staring at it all week. <laughs> it's just absolutely one of a kind. Man. It is. And I good mean, for you. And it's one of the ones, you know, I've had 
yeah, geez, it would have been like five or six years I've been coming up here, and that's the first. I say, you know, probably opportunity that I've had at that. I, it's not that I haven't had opportunity at others. You know, I've, I shot a really nice one last year, but, you know, not to that level. And it was. It's, as you said, look, it's shooting good deer, but not shooting the same that again. Like, it's always that next level, if that's your thing, you know. But if you – I think most of us are under the same understanding. If you want to shoot a good deer next year, you've got to let okay deer go or younger deer go so you've got a good deer next year. And it, it just – it's a slow process, and I understand. Like, if you've got one red stag on your property, you've never seen one there. It's probably hard not to have a crack at that. That could be a different story, you know. But don't complain that if it's not there next year, if you take it this year. So, but you know, yeah. This morning, I think that's what it's all about. I, I remember this morning. I mean, I had, I have had a big few days because I had. We'll tell Shannon's story soon, but you know that was probably one of the most epic hunts I've ever had in my life, and it, it wasn't. Such an I was, epic story. I man. wasn't even with the bow oh. that one. I, you know, I was I was the sec sexy voice behind that uh, that called it in, but and then to witness this morning and my Monday, um, great camp. You know, Jake's got his wife and his little fella here, and you know we're we're sitting in you know, some some bloke's flash big shows flash van apparently, so. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's just I don't know I don't know trip of epic proportions for you oh, I hope and amazing man yeah it's um what you guys have you know what what Jake has what he's created is um amazing but it's yeah it's taken a lot of work and a lot of um, self discipline and um, a lot of learning and you know just trying to learn new areas you know it's like um you you have to put yourself out there and. You spend a lot of gas money and you go check spots and you go look for tracks. It's the same way in the States. There's populations, you know, there is opportunity out there and there's great opportunity, but they're not everywhere. They're not dispersed throughout the landscape. Like, uh, you got to figure it out. It's a puzzle that you have to solve to figure out where those mature animals are. And when you can, when you can get into something, you know, that where you get into mature animals or you get into where that population lives or a hot spot or you find a good hunting spot like that. Um, man, that's what, that's what ignites me that, you know, I'll go walk to the end of earth to go find it. And I got to see it this morning on red deer, you know, which, which was wild just to hear all those roars and to be in, in such close proximity with this mature stag, you know, and then the, the hinds and being able to stalk in and, stock when his head's down and then when he picks up freeze and you know like really use the cover down and through there checking that wind like a madman like to say something i'll never forget and um those are the experiences that i live for um and and there is opportunity out there you know like i don't i i definitely uh, not the brains of this operation but <laughs> i've been the brains of a lot of operations and and there there is still opportunity yeah. out there no, good on you, man. I mean, I'm just so glad you enjoyed it. You you got yourself here, so I know you give us a bit of credit to make it happen. That, but at the end of the day, you had to pull the trigger to get here. And I don't know. I think you got paid pretty well by this morning. And man, I'm sick of carrying your meat out. You, it's your <laughs> turn next year. You can carry something out for me this year. No, I'm just kidding. I really enjoyed it. It's you know, it's a highlight of mine. I, I said it. I've said it on a podcast before. You know, the highlight of my last year was carrying your elk out last year. And you know, that's what I was going. With. You, you know, I, was, I wanted to say. You talk about all the hard work and that, like, you know, we did a, fuck, a couple of podcasts and you know, I spoke about that and you know, I got a lot of messages like, hey, you know, where do I go? And it's like, man, like no one's going to give you a free ticket. Like I've, but you know, I've known you for quite a few years now and, you know, we've come really good buddies and, you know, but, you know, it was like, hey man, there's elk over there, but you can go and figure it out. Like, like it's not nothing to, like they were there last year. It might be all right. Like, I don't know. Like, you, you know, you're not going to guarantee anything. And I want guys to understand that if, if you want instant success, 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 what was that? I want success. Some of that <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want like instant success, you, just go with an outfitter. Like that, that, if you're just going over to do it once and go and shoot a good elk, you probably just go, you've got to buy someone's experience. And that's more or less what I feel that you're doing with an outfitter. Um, and this is coming from Aussies going over to, you know, to, to, to experience your world. Um, mule deer is probably a little bit harder because it's probably, it's probably a little bit harder to get a guide, but you know, for elk especially, which is a pretty big one for most Aussie hunters to get over there, you ought to pay for someone's experience. That's how, that's how I look at it. But if you're willing to put in the, the gears, you know, geez, I'm up to my seventh elk hunt, I think, mm -hmm. I don't know, six, seven, something like that. You know, I've got a few good ones. I don't have a giant yet, but 
my trip last year, as you know too well, we sat there and it's like, what, you know, what aren't you going to shoot? And I said, well, anything under 300, I'm not going to shoot it. Had my opportunities and stuff under 300, stuffed the ones over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wind chains went through my window, all they're that tough, kind of shit. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. hard, you know, didn't, too fat and couldn't get up the hill quick enough to cut them off, that kind of shit. Like, you know, that's a whole other thing. You know, you're fit as a fiddle, you know, and we're talking about this. Like, I'm in heaps better shape than what I was last year. And it had worked, you know, like we punched your meat out today up up a pretty good ridge. And I think we well, we broke a sweat because it was pretty hot by then, but we're not, you know, not puffing and near dying like it was last year. So all these little tiny things. But I guess, you know, the big thing for you, you've spent 20 years trying to work them things out over there and hence your success. But now you're looking for those little adventures and you might go to a new spot in Idaho to chase mule deer and not see deer. That's just part and parcel. If you might buy an elk hunt, Go over there and not see an elk to a, a shootable elk. That's hunting. It's, there's no written ticket. Like I, I used to do the tag thing, as you know. Like I used to, you know, do the tag. The half the reason I got out of that doing the tag application stuff with guys here is because the expectation, because they were invested in it, the expectation that they wanted when they got there. And there'll be a few guys listening to this and know that's what the question they asked. But I'm happy to be honest. That's why I got out of it because I didn't want. I couldn't explain to them that points just get you on a hunt. Points do not equal trophy size. This will confuse a few guys if you're listening to this and don't know the point system in America, but it more or less just helps you get a ticket to go hunting over there. You and I have spoken about this all the time. Like, you know, and I think that comes back to that expectation. You know, are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to invest three or four trips over there and then shoot a giant? Might take you 10 trips. It's just like hunting here. It's taken me six years to come and shoot what's something I shot this year, this week. That that's just that's an investment into it. It's not this instant success that everyone's trying to chase and post it on fucking social media. Not even out of the bush and they're posting shit. But anyway, that's another story. But it's those kind of little things, and that's why I love you know you're, you're super positive. You've been a really big influence on myself and Josh. You know, and now passing that to Jake, your your influence of like you do it for you. Like this is your life. You're super fit. Everything everything is based around like you you keep yourself well. You keep your family well. You eat well because you hunt. Um, you know, it's a whole lifestyle and, and it, it's super motivating. Like, well, I come back from the, our trip last year w- with you and I don't think there's a day that, you know, there's, there hasn't been a week that I haven't trained, put it that way. It's probably, I won't say every day because that hasn't happened, but there hasn't been a week I haven't trained. Eating well, cleaning up my shit, making sure that, because we've got some big plans this year, if, as long as the, the tag gods help us out. But, you know, I didn't want to be the one that's going to hold us back. You know, and I think that's where, I think you can throw all this random rabbit hole that we've spoken about today and kind of piece and puts a pieces to the puzzle and say like there's a reason where we finally get successful and it's not it's not an easy one most of the time yeah man that's very well said all the way throughout you're um that's a great explanation of the states like even though you get a tag it's just a chance to hunt there and you got to go figure it out and there is opportunity but yeah you you can also strike out and you, you can, can strike out in in any of this stuff and I almost think it's like, um, yeah, for the love of doing it, you almost got to fall in love with um, like the journey of it yep. and the passion for it and the adventure. You're not going to be successful every time. You're not going to find animals every time. Uh, you're not going to make every shot. You're not, you know, there's like, you, you have to be okay with that. And so you kind of approach it that way. And it's like when you're, um, when you're really enjoying it and enjoying every facet of it, every facet of the the work that goes in and preparing for it and then being present while you're doing it. Um, man, that's the best. That's, yep. that's where you're going to excel at whatever you're doing you 100%. Know? And, and doing it for the right reasons is like this, you know, you, it's a meaningful existence as well. You know, it's like, um, uh, something you can stand behind, something that makes you a, a better person, better husband, better father. You know, it's like, it makes you want to be better in all aspects of your life, you know, so you can go chase things around. But yeah, I think it's like this, I don't know. It's like the perspective or getting away from the hustle and like really immersing in like the, the predator prey relationship out um, in, in the bush and in the woods is like pretty special, you know? So yeah, man, um, I absolutely love doing it. What a riot we've had, man. Been good, man. Just the best. It's been good. Well, man, congratulations on a massive stag this morning. Um, Full kudos to you. Glad I was part of it. Glad I was able to help with the trip and I'm just glad you took it up so this probably be the last time you hear this man's voice over the next few days so or it won't be the next few days of recording but it'll be over the coming weeks of the podcasting but um, we'll get another one we'll, we'll do a big camp one all the boys are having a kip because they're pussies and 
Brian and I are the only one hard enough to stay up. So, <laughs> and turn like one o'clock in the day. So, <laughs> but no, it's been a big week. But um, you're off to yeah. You'll be going to chase salmon down south with the, with uh, with Josh. Hopefully, you can find a, a stag in in velvet. We'll uh, we'll probably call into my joint on the way back and maybe do a bit of fishing and get you guys on the plane next week. But had a few plans that we sort of had and kind of fell through a little bit. But these things happen. It's busy. So, oh, you're man. It'll be all right. Icing on icing at this point. It's been yeah. an awesome experience. Um, thanks so much for sharing it with me and having me on the podcast. I really appreciate it, man. Nah, it's awesome, man. All right, we'll uh, we'll get another one out shortly. I'll get this one out and um, stay tight. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Right, our legends. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Now, I want you to do us a massive favor. Each episode, if you think it's worthy. Send it to a mate, maybe a non-hunter, and let's get it amongst the life and the passion that we as hunters enjoy so much. As always, if you'd like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on any of our social media accounts, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another episode, and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp. Hooroo for now.